Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your day one recap for this week's WGC Dell Technologies match play. Joining me to break it all down, I've got him. It's Kyle Porter. Welcome. You caught me. It was, listen, like day one was what we talked about on, I guess that was just yesterday, on Tuesday, which is this ridiculous, like all these ridiculous moments that kind of exist in their own little silos you know they're they're, it's in that sense like i think i'm coming around a little bit on this event overall because it produces these just ridiculous fun you got to watch the whole thing and a lot of it is like just not boring but it's pretty straightforward and then you have these three four five moments a day that are awesome like really stand out and provide uh, a ton of material for what i love which is the the normal sports stuff yeah you could fill a whole book with uh just day one here i think kp the, the thing that i you know i've been pumping the tires of this event all week long but i forgot that match play forces these guys to hit ridiculous shots that they would yeah. never hit. like well i guess i have to hit it off the rocks now because if i take my drop and i take the penalty i can't win so i might as well at least try to pull this off well, and it also, it's not only the shots it forces you to hit, it's the decisions that it forces you to make, right? And and I think that when guys get put into uncomfortable um, situations or decision-making, that's, you know, that that that's so different than what we see every week. And, and I, I can't think of, you know, I, I think we saw it on 17 a lot where you have this like kind of, it's not like a crazy hard pin, but it's kind of in a weird spot. That's just an uncomfortable hole. And you see guys, well, I got to go, I got to try to like, you know, am I going to hit a draw in there? Like, where's the wind coming? It's just, it's such a tense like situation. The guys, you got to make a decision on it. Whereas if that was a stroke play event, you you might, you would probably see guys play that hole differently. Like just hit something out to the right, try to get up and down for par. And it's just, I don't know that it's so different than stroke play in, in terms of situations like that. I agree. Now there is one big storyline from the first cut and from the fantasy world. Uh, Paul Casey withdrew it during the second hole, or I guess into the third hole uh, on Wednesday in his first match against Paul Casey, which is kind of, or excuse me, against Corey Connors, which is kind of crazy because he birdies, no, he makes par on the first, wins the first hole, he loses the second hole, and then he WDs, which gives – no, he doesn't WD. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this right, Kyle. I'm going to get this right here in a second. Paul Casey conceded his match to Corey Connors on the third hole, which is coaches one and done. Coach had him going very far. Coach chastised us for not taking Paul Casey to the finals, and then uh, Paul Casey uh, excuses himself from day one. 
Well, I, I hate that for coach. You know, I just, I hate, I hate seeing that for him. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's weird, right? Because he essentially, I mean, this is not, I'm not like holding this against him, but he kind of quit and yet he could still win his pool theoretically. Right. If he comes back and, you know, a couple of things break his way and uh, he wins his next two matches. So it's, it's just a, I don't know. It's an odd situation. Well, I mean, this was like just people were rioting in the fantasy community, though. Oh, my God. They were rioting because the way the scoring works is uh, you get points for every hole that you don't have to play if you win the match. So it's basically a bonus for saying you went out and smoked your opponent like Maverick McNeely did. Well, those points also count. Uh, if you win by a concession. So Corey Connors essentially gifted an absolutely massive victory against Paul Casey. So people were quite upset, but you're right. I'm, I'm choosing my words very carefully. He conceded. He did not withdraw. He could indeed come back and play. We don't have a decision. Now he plays in the second group out on Thursday, KP. It's Paul Casey versus Alex Noren. Uh, I hope Paul Casey's doing all right. I hope he's healthy. I hope he can compete. But if he doesn't, uh, gifting Alex Noren a win would not be horrible for me. <laughs> well, what is Noren your one and done? He's my one and done, yeah. That was a good pick. He That was probably the match of the day, Noren and Ustazen. Amazing. So I fun. think I think they gained like seven strokes combined. I think that was the most combined strokes gained of any of the matches. But so what happens if let's say let's say Casey tonight just withdraws from the tournament? Does Norn get all the like eighteen like whatever the points are tomorrow for eighteen holes? Yeah, that's that's the way that I understand this happens. Ooh. He would get he would get eighteen holes not played points, and then he would get the win for the match. So it would be it would be quite sizable. What's your opinion? I, I don't have an opinion on this, I, uh, and maybe I should, but I just don't. It's not my world necessarily. But what's your opinion on needing to have a like an injury report, like that you see in primarily the NFL? I I, I guess the NBA might have it as well. But is, is that something that you feel like golf? I mean, golf is not big on disclosing uh, <laughs> any type of uh, is he playing or I mean, we've talked about yeah. this with Phil for the last month you know of of why guys are or are not playing but is that something that you think the tour needs to implement i think it would be hard to trust a self-reporting injury report what i would like to see kyle is what i call a, a range report uh hey paul casey came out here played nine holes uh in a practice round went to the driving range for two hours checked in at this time checked out at that time like it's it's while you're there on the grounds that a pga tour official can just hand you facts because what would happen is there have been times where a guy has not been on site and no one like no reporter asked about it it wasn't reported and he withdrew thursday morning like we would have known that if there was a range report so i just want to basically be given facts about them being on the grounds and then make my decisions from there yeah i i think that's that's probably a good middle ground because it's hard, right? You, you're, you're, it's so different than like a team reporting it. There's you're, right. you're, you're just dealing with individuals and you're trusting them to kind of self report or something like that. So that would be a, a method of, of accountability that currently doesn't exist, but would be a, I think probably like a fair way to do it. Yeah. Uh, a couple notables here. Justin Thomas down goes JT. Luke List gets him on day one. Surprising. Three, three and two. So now JT's got some work to do because he is already 
0-1, and now he is going to have to battle Mark Leishman on day two. Kevin Kisner already got a victory in that match. So the two guys in group six with victories, Kisner and List, they'll play in round two, while Leishman and JT, essentially the loser of that is uh, is out. So, yeah. so, you know, they've got to, one of those guys has to win on Thursday. And JT made, I mean, he didn't, he didn't play very well. He made one birdie. It was his first hole, I think, and and I think he halved it. I think I think uh, Luke List also made birdie. He just it, it was it was kind of weird. I mean, I I was texting some guys today, and you, you watch JT hit shots. He had a, he had a shot today into one of the par threes. It was like I don't I don't know what uh, what's the one with like water on the right, maybe eight, ten, eleven, some, somewhere around there, and you watch him hit these shots and you're like, how does this guy not have 30 wins instead of 14? And then, you know, the driving gets erratic or he just can't make putts or whatever the case is. And you're like, Oh, okay. That, that makes sense. But I've just been watching him hit these. He's, he's hit. I said this on Tuesday, he's hitting these obscene shots that are just so good. And it, it didn't, it hasn't translated to win. And on, on Wednesday, or it hasn't translated into wins. And on Wednesday, it didn't translate into much of anything in terms of his round. I think he lost two or three strokes against the field. So not a good day for JT, but he has time to make it up. Kisner's going to, Kisner's a problem at this course. I mean, he's been him, Norin and Billy Horschel and Scotty Scheffler really stand out to me. as like, they're going to be tough to beat at Austin country club in match play. doesn't mean you can't do it, but it's, it's a, it's pretty, I mean, those guys have been playing really well at that course. Kisner on a short, Pete die course with yeah. match point. It's just, it's just like, Oh God, what a, has yeah, he been what? good at uh, like, like uh PGA West or at uh, Harbor town? Uh, Harbor town. Right. I think he's, I think he's played well. I don't, I don't know his, I don't know his results at PGA West off the top, but um, I guess that's yeah, not that short. Like, yeah. I mean, I also think of like um, seaside or, or uh, the RSM classic as well. Yeah. So I know yeah. I don't think that's a die course, but you know, the kind of the same shorter, shorter stuff that, that yeah. helps uh, more accurate drivers. The beefy one is back. <laughs> Bryson's back, baby. And uh, boy, did he have himself a day. First tee shot ended up somewhere in a, in a hospitality, something next well, to like a uh, surge protector. Or I don't know. <laughs> it was like a information tent on the university of Texas, which I don't know. Maybe he's, you know, going to get a, a PhD in physics or something like that. But he, he did not look good. I mean, he looked like, you know, he, he had that video on Monday or whenever where he was like, well, I'm hitting driver again. And you're like, for the first time, like, and that's what it looked like a little bit on Wednesday. I mean, he hits a shank on two. Uh, him and Richard Bland was a total, I think knowing up tweeted the, the picture of, uh, of Frank Beamer, you know, raising his hands over his head, the zero zero tie against Virginia tech and wake forest. That's, that's what it felt like. That was, that was grotesque. I mean, I think they made nine bogeys combined between them and Bryson. I mean, I don't know how you can watch today and be like, yeah, he, he's going to be ready for Augusta, a place that he seemingly can't figure out. He just, he looked not good. And it looked like he hadn't been playing in a while, which I kind of think is probably the case. Yeah, Bryson, there it is. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Jacob. Um, Bryson lost 
of 1.8 strokes from T to green. Richard Bland lost 2.7. They did not play well. They each earn a half a point. Taylor Gooch wins the other match in group nine. So he is kind of the front runner at the moment. That was three and two over Lee Westwood. We've got to talk about number 13 uh, and the infamous sprinkler which I imagine will be the cover of normal sport because uh, <laughs> let me, let me try to describe what happened. KP. So 13 is that short drivable uh, par four that guys either bang it into the uh, hospitality on the right, or they bang it into the hospitality over the back of it. And then they have to chip back towards the water. And the way that this green is running and the way the pin is set up all of these guys are like chipping it back into the water and they're putting it into the water. It's, it's a disaster. Guys all day long are doing it, right? This is just a devastating pin position. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I just texted you something that was uh, okay. not, not what I meant to text you. I can explain later. But um, <laughs> sorry, what are what, what, what we're talking so, about? Hole number 13. 13. Okay. Yes. And the balls that are attracted to this water and everybody's hitting it in there. The only reprieve, the only reprieve of your ball not going in the water is a sprinkler head. Yeah, yeah. And it's catching a couple of golf balls. Well, and and that that shot from the 13's weird because it's this drivable par four that guys are basically just banging shots into the grandstands or off the grandstands. And drivable par fours are awesome, but that one is is kind of I think without the grandstands, it would be awesome, but it should, it, it gets kind of dumb, right? Cause you're just, you're essentially just aiming for the grandstands and hoping to like get it lodged up in there, take your drop and try to get up and down. But the problem is the shot going back toward that pin toward the water is, and we saw somebody hit the, the fringe on this like extreme downslope and it just shoots into the water. Right. And so what happened with both Thomas Peters and Bryson is they that happened to them from different angles and it landed on the sprinkler head that's touching the the uh, penalty area which is key it is touching the penalty area we learned and we found out that is very important a piece of information for this for this note yeah so they so so this red line is painted up against the sprinkler head because there's only like six inches between the sprinkler head and the, the bulkhead of, of this lake or whatever it is. And so when the ball is on the sprinkler head, it's also, if it's leaning against the grass, it's technically touching this painted red line. And so the weirdest part is that Peter's, this happened to him and they made him play it. And he got very angry as Thomas Peters is wont to do. Mm -hmm. And, and two hours later, the same thing happens to Bryson and they let him take relief. And then right after that happened, you see an official out there. I mean, this is, this is absurd. You see an official out there literally spray painting green paint over the red line so that if a ball is now on the sprinkler head again, which it won't happen the rest of the tournament, uh, it's not touching the penalty area. And technically, you, you would be able to, to get relief. Right. I, that's that's the thing. The 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 fact that you are touching. There you go. There's Jacob. If you're watching on YouTube, showing you the green spray paint. If you if you're you would normally always get relief from a sprinkler head. But because the ball is touching the penalty area, you do not get that relief. And Thomas Peters, uh, I think he just conceded the hole. I don't know what he did. He just kind of took a whack at it and was very yeah. upset about it. Now, the thing about match play, Kyle and and technically what the PGA tour did or whatever these officials came to an agreement with, it, it was 
correct, I, I suppose, is, is the official word. Because every single one of these matches is its own individual game. One does not influence another. So just because Thomas Peters got relief doesn't necessarily mean that Bryson could get relief. What they essentially did is like change the rules in real time. Yeah, which like... I don't know that I can I mean, I think it's kind of sick when they let him make him play it off the sprinkler head. I don't I don't care one way or the other. It just seemed weird that and and maybe like it seemed weird that they hadn't changed like spray painted the grass yet, but the rule was changed. Right? Like they like they they kind of just said it felt like they were making it up as they went. They I don't I don't I don't care that they changed the rule from Peters to Bryson. I care that like nobody knew that the rule was changed. Okay. That's if that one, makes sense. Yes. That is one part of my issue. The The other part is why would you get relief or care or complain about getting relief from a sprinkler head when the other option is your ball is definitely going in the water, right? Like that sprinkler head is the only thing stopping the ball from going in. Everybody else's ball went in. So it's like, play it off the sprinkler head. Number two, what you just said about like, the players don't know that. They don't know that that maybe Bryson is going to get relief or maybe he's not. They're under the assumption. I don't know what under the uh, what assumption they're under, but it can't be changing because the players aren't being told what's happening. Yeah. Like they're and and like it, when I think about this, I think about the the DJ rule at Whistling Straits, right? Where he grounds his club and the and, and it was like Posted in the locker room, hey, this is the local rule. And for this, it was like, well, was there any rule in place? And if so, was it was it changed after Peters? Was it changed when Bryson's ball landed there? Like it just the whole thing felt like, well, we're just kind of making it up as we and maybe they were just making it up as they went, which is technically again fine, but it, it didn't it felt very like murky and not clear at all. Peters ends up getting away with a victory in his match. We already talked about Bryson um, tying Richard Bland. So maybe, I don't know, no blood, no foul here on this one. But uh, we'll see. I imagine, yeah, as you said, KP, we'll, we will not see another ball in that sprinkler head for the rest of the week. I want to talk about the rest of the week. I want to talk about round two because the odds are already out. Love that because we already know the matchups. We already know the tee times. We already know everything. We're going to talk about those. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Round two KP gets started bright and early 920 local time. And it's group 10 that goes out first. So that is immediately the Casey group. So we're probably going to find out about Paul Casey very early in the day on Thursday. As you start to look through any potential matchups or KP guys that you didn't think played all that well, guys that you would want to pick on or guys that you might want to back in their round two matchups. Well, do do we have the 
Can you pull up the odds, producer Jacob? I don't think we can do that, but if you would like to say what the matchup is, I could I could tell you what the odds are due to contractual stuff. Gotcha. Uh, well, let me see here. <laughs> you mentioned okay. Noren was phenomenal T to green. Varner was great from T to green. All that good stuff. I think Ustays and Connors, I'd be interested in that uh, just because Ustays and played great. Made seven birdies and lost. Um, Usti is minus 135 to Corey Connors plus 115. Does it matter that Corey Connors hit like six shots? Yeah, that's hard. I mean, I, and you don't want to put it's this is just so difficult because you, you, I think because it's match play and we're like, oh, this is the only time they played match play, we almost put too much weight on the match play, like part of what's going on. So we're like, oh, well, whatever happened on. Wednesday, like we're weighing that more than what this guy's been doing for the last two months. Like JT is a great example. It's like, oh, well, suddenly, like all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, well, whatever happened to him on Wednesday, I, I suddenly like outweigh the last two months of being the best ball striker in the world because he made one birdie and may, and that's probably like a wrong way to look at it. So maybe JT would be a good uh, bounce back candidate. Yeah, there were uh, there were two guys who I heard their post round interviews, and I was like, okay, that's noteworthy. First off, Xander Shoffley, who beat Takumi Kanaya, was basically like, uh, yeah, I hit a lot of bad shots. He hit a lot of bad shots. I happened to win the event. It didn't sound very confident. And then KP, I don't know if you caught the Brooks Kepka interview. Uh, he seemed pretty smitten about his game. He went out and got a victory, and he's going to battle HV three on thursday and uh no offense to hv3 he was phenomenal on day one but i've seen what he what happens when he gets paired with uh brooks kepka <laughs> i saw that up close and personal at, at uh at uh beth page in 2019 shot a shot an 82 or something 81 82, yeah it was not not great uh I'm looking at these matchups here. Man, how good is uh, Morikawa Sergio? Just unbelievable compressors of the ball. That's going to be fun. I hope we get, you know, I, the, one of the things that stood out to me on Wednesday, Rick, is I hope that we get, and so, and so far we are, I think um, I think only three of the top 16 last time I looked lost on day one, like outright lost, maybe four. I, I didn't I didn't see like how everything ended up or the last couple of matches ended up. Um, I hope we get some like awesome round of 16 matchups uh, because they're certainly out there. I mean, you could get, uh, you could get JT Spieth, probably not with the way JT played on, on uh, or with JT losing on Wednesday. There, there's, I think Rom Kepka is out there. There's a bunch of really interesting round of 16 matchups that would be awesome if they came to fruition. Um, yeah. JT, Louis and Joaquin Neiman were the only headliners that outright lost. And we already talked that Louis was like one of the best players on the golf course today. Right. Which is, yeah, which is interesting. Um, and I thought Zalatoris looked pretty good. Uh, he's got Sepp Straka on, that's the last match of the day on, on Thursday. Um, man, uh, what's Seamus power against Patrick Cantlay? Did you see, so power is plus 130 to Patrick Cantlay's minus 150. Did you see that power accepted like affiliate status on the DP World Tour so he could be Ryder Cup eligible? Really? Yeah. Good for him. I mean, he's playing well enough. He's yeah. smart. what, like so smart. 
50, 47 in the world or something, 48. Yeah, and the events that he's already going to play this year, like the match play and obviously like the majors, like kind of like the co-sanctioned stuff, like he doesn't have to even play any like regular DP World Tour events this year. He'll have to worry about that next year and he'll really yeah. know it's, it's, it's a really smart, savvy move. He's playing really, really good golf. I mean, since he, what did he, he won the, uh, not the Barracuda, what did he win last year? The, the, uh, the other one. Barbasol, yeah, during the Open Championship. He's been on a tear since then. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like top fives and top tens, but for somebody that was ranked what outside the top two or 300 this time a year ago or a year and a half ago. Um, I kind of like, I, I just can't is, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not buying what he, he just, he just didn't put, I don't know what his numbers were, but it didn't feel like he played that great when I was, when I saw him on, uh, on Wednesday, I'm looking for his numbers here. Two and a half strokes gained from T to green, but they're all super, they're super wonky numbers. I don't know how much you want to put into those numbers. He gained two and a half. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't know how he putted, but uh, not good because he, yeah, he's not, I can't, oh, he was, wow. Overall, he was minus 2.1 strokes gained. So he lost like four strokes putting. <laughs> it's not good. Um, so yeah, I like I, I kind of like that number for Seamus Power over Cantley. All right. Well, we've got another full slate of matches coming on Thursday, followed by, you guessed it, another full slate of matches on Friday. And we'll be back after each and every round to break it all down. Let me give a big thanks to producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, it's Kyle Porter. You can find him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS, and you can find me at Rick Rungood. Real quick, yeah. if you had to repick right now who's going to win based on Wednesday, who would you take? Oh, I would take. Um, I wouldn't. I would. I would take Norn. Just give me Norn. I like that. I think I would take Scheffler. Yeah, man, dude. If he He's, comes out of that group, and that's so good. I'm like real, really impressed by Scheffler. Really. I think the thing about it was sorry. I'm, I should have said this earlier. The thing about him right now, he's playing with so much confidence that. It, and you can just, it's not, you can't measure it by stats or whatever. You just watch him and you're like, oh, that's going in. That's going in. And and the ball striking is obviously really good. But I just feel like it's, I feel like your confidence just, you flip a switch after you win twice in four events, right? It, it just, it you have to. And I feel like you can see it in the way that he's playing right now. So I'm, I'm excited to see what kind of damage he does over, uh, over the next couple of days. Yeah, he was. That was very, very strong stuff. All right. This has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time. 